This is the PropTech VC Podcast. We give you unique insights into how innovative technologies are disrupting real estate. We interview top entrepreneurs, investors, and knowledgeable experts to share the inside scoop in this fast-moving industry. It's hosted by leading PropTech VC, Zane Jaffer. Let's dive into today's content. Yeah, and property managers don't enjoy the reporting part. And some firms have an overkill amount of uh, admin work required on capturing and, and collecting data. And ultimately, it's about gaining leverage so that you're free to work on the things that move the needle and not being stuck in admin. I think this comes down to just the processes internally. Maybe you can talk a bit about what works well, what, what makes a management firm run well. Uh, is there anything you've noticed about the way they structure themselves, the way they operate? Yeah, I mean, I think like this isn't feasible for everybody, but I often think that the best operators are owner operators and it's no dig on third party property management firms. Like, but the one thing that's really great about that is there's complete alignment from COO to property manager, right? Like everyone is compensated the same way. You have this sort of internal team. I think there's a lot to be said about that. Um, I think where we've seen other really successful property managers is really been how I, I, you know, the way I think about property management, I'm not sure if property managers would agree with this, is it's almost like a franchise system, right? Like every regional manager has a certain number of clients who are their owners and investors, right? And then they have their property managers, which are like sort of their retail workers, right? And I think a lot of it is driven by this sort of individual regional manager. Like if you have a great regional manager, they can really run the roost. They're gonna tell you which properties are performing the best and why. They're gonna be calling all their properties every week. They know which one needs staff, which why they need help. And I think one of the things hard about property management is like, it's, it's really a people-driven business. Like you're serving people, but you need all these data analytics skills. So I think the ones that are really successful have some sort of owner operator, like some sort of buying from the owner, like they're supporting them. I think they use technology that's very common. Head of IT, head of analytics, these are becoming more and more common trends in real estate. And I think they're just really focused on improving their team and driving their team. And I think the best third-party managers, they always talk about how they train their team and how they improve it. Those are the ones that are really successful. What, where do you, what's your opinion on, if you're new to the property management sector, where are you gonna gain the most experience? Is it in a large firm? Is it in a local boutique? Is it in an owner-operated firm? What, 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 what sort of are the pros and cons of each of those for your first gig in property management? Yeah, so I think you should tie it back to your personal goals. And like one of the coolest things about property management is there was a sort of like idea of infinite growth, right? Some of the best CEOs we work with started as off as leasing consultants on the level, right? And I think what a great thing to do is join a somewhat established company. It can be like a mid-sized property management firm or a large owner operator. Both are fine. They're both really great. But I think you should really try to figure out like how can you differentiate yourself, right? Like it's very much so a sales and people driven role because you're constantly selling units, you're constantly selling rent increases, which is not something people want, right? Nobody wants a rent increase, right? But I think the firms that are really successful and where you can see a lot of uh, bang for your buck is like the ones that focus on training and their team. And I think it doesn't matter really the structure of the firm so much as like, who's your manager? How do they motivate you? How do they talk about the goals of the property? And how do they make it say it in a way that makes sense to you? You know, breaking into real estate, not just in terms of getting a first job, but also if you want to become an investor in real estate, the best piece of advice I got, there was an institutional, uh, I was an LP in a fund, okay? Mm -hmm. And I wanted to start 
operating my own real estate and I was seeking advice and one of these um, GPs or owners said to me, look, if you really want to break in, you've got to figure out how you're going to differentiate. And often people can't differentiate alone on buying real estate. You've also got to differentiate on either the construction side or the management side. Yeah. So on the management side, get your hands dirty. And it's not until you get called up by tenants at random times because the sink isn't working, because you know there's a problem that they've probably caused or whatever it might be right pests or whatever it's not until you've dealt with those that you're really going to understand what can go wrong in real estate because management is a key secret weapon in differentiating and delivering investor returns so that that was the feedback i got and of course uh you know i, I bought a couple of single family rentals but as soon as i started getting harassed by tenants over the smallest issues <laughs> like go bring a third party manager this this is not for me to do um I, I didn't have the patience for it i quickly learned as well that to be in property management requires a lot of patience and sometimes it's not necessarily you easily think to yourself especially if you're capital constrained right the math becomes quite easy you're like okay rather than going out and buying a building maybe i should go manage 20 buildings for someone else and i'll get the same revenue as if i own the building completely wrong like it's a lot of work you shouldn't go into it because you think it's a, a superior way to make money you know you, you need to focus I think on where your strength is and what you enjoy yeah definitely and I think kind of going back to what you're saying every asset manager I know has had to get in the details about property management whether they like it or not right it doesn't matter if they like went to Warden they did all of this like sort of like financial analysis and whatever like when you know when it comes down to it, like you need to know like how to replace a broiler, how to get hot water to residents as quickly as possible, right? Because it's a legal and it's a financial potential risk, right? Like you have residents who are leaving, you have sort of all these different laws that are protecting residents and like have expectations around how quickly you have to resolve issues. And I think that like the advice that was given was right is that you, you really have to get in the weeds. You know, you need to know how to do certain things, how much it's going to cost, how to negotiate for it, you know, what's normal in your submarket it's, it's really important yeah and why do what why do some owners self-manage could you give insight into that as that seems to be a particular niche you're really succeeding in with canopy yeah so i think the reason owner operators are so successful in their management practice is firstly like i said earlier is just pure alignment from property manager CIO, right everyone is trying to increase noi everyone is targeting sort of the same goal and they see management as their differentiator because they've invested so much time and money into it, right? They want to retain their team. They're not going to think about firing the property manager. They really want to make it work and they want those people to build expertise both in their submarket as well as in there. And I think a lot of what we think about is like, how do we enable the team with data and metrics? And there's a lot of alignment there. The other thing is that a lot of owner operators have some level of development or construction inside of their um, strategy, either doing value add or ground up development. And that's a very intensive process, right? Like you don't want to outsource your bid collection process, your relationship with the vendors to another party because it's so important if you're going to make pro forma work that you control those relationships, you really understand them fundamentally well. And what I think is interesting about those is like they really touch the real estate from like the most basic nuts and bolts all the way to like the sale on the financial perspective. And I think that they really see huge value in making decisions with data and really like to them, data is the, the most important thing to them because it tells them how much they're spending, where they need to focus their time and efforts, and they have the control and the staff to do so. They have both pieces. 
And when it comes to looking at metrics, there are some metrics that there are some serious definitional problems in that, um, and maybe you can give examples on this, you know, I can see you smiling there because I, I've dealt with this too, you know, how one manager defines a certain metric is apples and oranges to how another manager defines it. And you've got to really break down. Well, hold on, you take this one metric, you dive into it. <laughs> this metric can mean so many different things to so many different people. Could you, could you, is there anything that comes to mind for you in metrics that are often confusing and you need very strict definitions around? I'm going to give you two examples. I'm going to give you one basic one that's surprising and then one that is exceptionally complicated. Okay. So the first one that's basic is occupancy. You're like, this is the number of people who live in this building. It can't be that complicated, right? I think what really matters is, do you consider model units vacant? Do you, how do you think about down units, right? How do you compare this data over time? Because naturally you're gonna have down, you know, vacant units or whatever, right? Also like there's all these processes in your property management system, which are related to the move-in process that can be done correctly or incorrectly. And that's gonna really shift your vacancy number or your occupancy numbers a lot. So you just have to make sure the data entry at the most basic level is really well done. And I think this should be the most basic metric and the number of companies that struggle to produce this in a meaningful way across multiple things. Like it sounds shocking and I'm sure some real estate operators are going to be like, that would never be us. But like if you look under the hood and you see what's actually happening, you might be surprised. And I think the other part of it, which is a naturally complicated metric that is so important and there's so much nuance around, but it's not often measured correctly is net effective rent increase. And what that means is what was the previous rent? What's the new rent? What's the difference? And the reason that number gets complicated is you want to factor in concessions for your new resident as well as your previous resident. Sometimes someone's like, Hey, I'm supposed to move out on the 30th. I need an extra month. Can I pay an extra hundred dollars a month to like, you know, make it happen. Right. And if you don't factor that out, like suddenly it looks like you didn't get the bump you got, or maybe you got a decrease, right? Like instead of getting a $50 increase, it looks like, or sorry, $100, or yeah, it looks like a $50 decrease. So there's all this, right? And then just getting that number correctly and then excluding employee rent, right? Like sometimes your residents leave or your employees leave or they move to another unit and just getting all the data correct. It's incredible the amount of time people spend on that. And it's even more complicated if you try to do it for renewals. Like when did the renewals start? What was the exact amount? Did you offer any concessions? Like there's all these things that if you get into the details, it gets very complicated quickly. And you know, I hate to say this, but it feels like every metric I've come across in real estate suffers from this definition issue. And not just yeah. metric, it might be bids. Like, I, I got a bid recently for uh, replacing the roof. And that's one of the biggest CapEx projects you can imagine. And on first blush, you're like, well, let's go with the cheapest proposal. I mean, this proposal is 50% cheaper than the other proposal. When you dive into it, you realize, wait, they're doing, this is apples and oranges all over again. And how am I, as someone trying to make money, have the competence to decide? And often I feel I feel a little bit of frustration when managers are like, here we go, here's five choices, decide. You, you, you're like, I, 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 I wouldn't know unless I've, uh, you know, done the roofing myself or I know this uh, type of, you know, is it a flat roof? What, what type of roof are we dealing with? I mean, so even the contracts you get um, require so much context and this, this is the danger. Decisions are made every day in real estate like that. Like quick, quick three minute maximum, you know, attention span before you jump onto the next issue and then you have to cut this call short. 
and now your property management team is waiting another week to speak to you to get you know an approval for whatever. It's it's a mess, and I think a firm that does this well, and, and of course a plug for Canopy, right? Using Canopy to, to do that well uh, becomes a superpower for them eventually. The ability to make better decisions, catch problems before they occur, and and make data-driven decisions to optimize revenues. Yeah. I mean, one of the trends that's in real estate is that the people who are most successful typically execute the same exact strategy again and again and again, right? <laughs> and the reason they do that is because they build competency with data, right? Like they know exactly who are the right vendors to talk to, how much it's going to cost, and what is the scope of work that really matters. And I mean, that is like one of the, it, it sounds silly, but like, just doing something you know that works again and again and again, your knife is gonna go, your edge is gonna constantly get sharper. And I think that's what really differentiates some of the best real estate investors is 20 years in, 30 years in, they know every nickel and dime how much everything costs. Agreed. Sonny, it's been um, great having you um, on the show. For uh, our listeners who wanna reach out to you, could you spell out the best way to get in contact with you? And also, what's your ideal type of, um, uh, are there certain types of people you're looking to reach or you encourage to reach out to you as well? Definitely. So um, we work with all sorts of different property managers and owners. I think the best clients we work with are typically multifamily owner operators with one to 10,000 units, okay? And property managers who are looking for something differentiated for their clients. Like they're a little bit more tech forward. They want to stand out from their peers. And those typically are a little bit larger, up to 15,000 units, maybe even larger than that. Um, the best way to reach me is Sunny at canopyanalytics.com. Sunny is like, it's a sunny day. Um, and I'd love to hear from some of your listeners. Great, thank you so much for coming on the show. Cool, thanks for having me, Zane.